be one journalist of the year from the American Conservative Union at CPAC 2015. You like me right now. You like me. He's Jim Garrity. How do you like me now? Now that I'm on my She's a broadcast professional who's got pop culture by the throat, and she won't let go. Crank up the radio. Run for your lives, everyone. This is not a drill. She's broadcast pro Mickey White. How do you like me now? This is the Jim and Mickey Show. Let me down easy. Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show. Brought to you by... ABC Surplus Bachelorette Supply. Gentlemen, each year dozens of attractive, if slightly mentally unstable women throw themselves at one lucky bachelor and then go into a psychotic breakdown because he didn't give her a rose. Now these leftovers are available for your perusal. They're gorgeous, competitive, prone to crying fits, and the precise opposite of low maintenance. So come on down to ABC today. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and welcome to the Valentine's Day week edition of the Jim and Mickey Show. Mickey, before we begin the Valentine's Day stuff, how was your Super Bowl weekend? It was good. It was good. You know, it was filled with some parties and friends and some pre-gaming and whatnot. Um, so it was it was much more of a whole weekend celebration than obviously the game because, you know, as you know, my Steelers not being in it, etc. And, um, of course, there were a lot of things that happened during the Super Bowl um, that people were talking about the next day. And that's kind of the best part, isn't it? I mean, obviously, you've got the big win for Peyton, and so the big talk, of course, is will he retire? Won't he retire? Is this going to be his last game on the football side? But then, of course, there's all the discussion about commercials, all of the halftime shows, and the performance, I think, of the night. The MVP of the Super Bowl goes to Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. I would concur with that. Um, the giant red shiny jumpsuit worked. Uh, the flyover was perfectly timed. Uh, it's funny. There was a time where Lady Gaga, you said, oh, Lady Gaga is doing the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And everyone would have cringed. Everyone would have said, oh, here comes the meat suit. You know, right. it would have been something outrageous and ridiculous. And I'd say ever since the Oscars where she did the sound of music, everyone's like, oh, she's going to do a good job for this with this. And she did. Um, well, it would be, for anyone that was following me on Twitter, um, right before she sang, I, I tweeted out, Lady Gaga about to shock the world. And I say this because just, you know, you know me and my music and my people and whatever. I actually happen to know people related to her, know her entire story. Um, and she's classically trained in everything. Acting, dance, um, song, you name it. So the... Lady Gaga that we were introduced to in the egg, in the meat suit, all of that is performance art. And it was a way for her to stand out, I think. And now she's able to kind of just be out there barefaced and this is who I am and singing my song and she's fantastic. But would she have been as successful if she had just been, you know, a blonde girl from the Upper East Side who could sing? You know, it's a good point. I think she reached the point where she shocks us by no longer being shocking. Um, alternatively, you could say that when you when you're well known for appearing as a hermaphroditic bubble woman on the cover of Rolling Stone or uh, things like that, or or the the you know latex nun and things like that, that doing duets with Tony Bennett 
and looking really retro is probably the most shocking thing you could do. She won up to Madonna for her whole career and trying to out Madonna, Madonna. Now the irony is she could sing. She could star on Broadway. Madonna hasn't got a voice that'll hold a candle to her. Exactly. Uh, so, Mickey, what did you since Beyonce uh, the halftime show was considered the, allegedly the, the controversial one? Um, yes. What was your take on that? Since I was driving during the halftime show, I you know, the it's funny because uh, it's one of those things where here's the deal: I don't believe for one second that Beyonce's quote Black Panther salute slash Black Lives Matter salute has anything to do with her really caring so much about any of those social issues as she cares about launching her new tour called Formation and getting as much free earned press as possible. I guess maybe that's particularly for a star for, for stars today. One of the ways that you be that you're not just, Oh look. So, you know, I, I was trying to give a, a good comparable figure. No one is talking about whether Katy Perry is being controversial or socially relevant. Right. Right. There is no intense dissection. No, left shark, maybe. Um, I don't know about you, uh, Mickey, but I think the left shark lives matter. Um, and left shark was missed this year. I feel like left was. shark should kind of be part of the halftime show all the time now. Yeah. He will live on forever in our hearts. Um, because let's face it. I mean, that Coldplay thing was a mess. That was a train wreck. Like, I watched it just like thinking, oh, my God, how much acid did they do? Before coming up with the set design of the, you know, the pastel umbrellas and the tie-dye lights. And that was a freaking nightmare. And thank God for Bruno Mars. When he started singing, I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then Beyonce came out. And I was actually very much enjoying the back and forth between she and Bruno Mars and whatever. And then, unfortunately, they kicked them off the stage and brought Coldplay back all by themselves. I was about to say, was, weren't we told that Coldplay, Coldplay was the halftime act this year? Mm-hmm. Yes. <clears throat> and there was kind of this general reaction of, uh, you know. Yes. Nobody, will, nobody likes Coldplay. So I mean, it's music that's on and you don't mind. You won't change the channel for it. But it's not music that you're going out and buying tickets to, like, see them play live for a reason. I think the so, Panthers so we, should have put Chris Martin in at quarterback in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it would have mattered. I mean, having played, obviously, we, we both, I think you guys played the Denver defense this year. I know we did, and uh, they were incredible. I, I called Von Miller my MVP um, after, actually, I think it was the second quarter. I could have been wrong about that, but I think at the half was the first time I called for him as MVP, and then he held up my vote through the end, and I was glad to see him get it. Um, one of the big things is always the ads that we talk about, and um, you and I talked about some of the ones we saw last week. It was really interesting to me because – the most popular ad was that Kevin Hart ad that I discussed last week here with our listeners with the Hyundai ads. So props to Hyundai for coming up with some really good stuff this year. Um, Mountain Dew with the puppy monkey baby thing. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> I'm not their demo. I'm not. I am not their demo. They don't care about me. They don't care, which is good. Uh, Mickey, because again, their um, nightmare uh, fuel. I was going to say their primary demographic appears to be genetic engineers um, <laughs> and mad scientists. I know. Say, hey, you know, it, it's, I have to remind myself that any Mountain Dew product is always going to be aimed at someone like 12 to 24. That's it. And I have to remember that because when I saw the babe, puppy monkey baby freaky thing, I, I, like, I literally was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to sleep again. 
Oh no, it could be worse. And I was like, right, they're not selling to me. That's cool. That's good. It could be way worse. You could have four boys between the age of five and nine who see it and then think it's the coolest thing in the world. Oh, Puppy no. monkey baby. Puppy monkey baby. Puppy monkey baby. <laughs> when that oh, thing walked God. into the room, I thought it was a promo for Men in Black 4. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Now, let me, we can't go any further. I, I have to redirect us. Mickey, Dave, I will forever remember Super Bowl 50 as by far the most gastrointestinal-focused Super Bowl of all time. And I was going to say, are we in a national crisis of our digestive tracts? Apparently, yes. Did Americans we need to see the little happy animated intestines running around? <laughs> That's the worst Pixar movie ever. <laughs> well, and, and the thing about it is, is, again, clearly Americans, they need that. They need a card to hold up that says, I have trouble going to the bathroom. <laughs> because apparently everybody has trouble going to the bathroom. But that could be because half of the nation is apparently addicted to pain pills. Because you'll note that one of them was a side effect for opioids, like when you can't go to the bathroom because you're taking pain pills all the time. We finally then hit the point to... where it's, where more than half of America is on opioid painkiller prescriptions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, like, and now they need pills so they can go to the bathroom, too. <laughs> it, it, it was weird. I mean, the first one with the, the guy in black and white looking depressed looking on in envy at the man who just came out of the bathroom. Like, there was, there was nothing creepy about that at all. <laughs> no, um, not at but, all. Mm. But the constipation ad, and words I never thought I would say in the context of the Super Bowl, was almost tasteful by comparison to, you know, Squiggy the Happy Intestines, um, who, who were running around, running really fast, because, you know, if the first guy was slow, Squiggy the Intestines was going fast. <laughs> my drink. I, the, the little intestine Squiggy. thing... <laughs> was really kind of creepy. I mean, and people were trying. It to reminded me, like, it made me think they were kind of going after that Mucinex Flem guy thing. <laughs> but the Mucinex Flem guy thing is voiced by the funny dude um, from oh crap, what is his name? That from Silicon Valley. Yes. And so it's a really funny, creepy little character. The the intestine, yeah. not so funny. Not amusing. I, I found myself, again, there was a lot of nightmare fuel. Um, one of the things now, I Mickey, loved was the Super Bowl babies, though. I must admit, that was adorable. I'm Roger Goodell, and at the National Football League, we've been proud of our role in helping you get it on since 1967. <laughs> Correct. Just think well, there would be so no children in America. Everybody at home is like sitting there counting back like, wait, when was I born? <laughs> What's going no, on? Start, uh, nine months, ten months, the... Uh, the next question, of course, is, you know, this copulation is the copyrighted work of the National Football League. That's Any rebroadcast right. Super Bowl baby's going to have to get stamps and people get charged for them. Well, yes, and again, like I <laughs> said, immediately people start going back. And, and I personally, I'm a big fan of this because the first thing it does is debunk the myth that is a myth that on Super Bowl Sunday there is more domestic violence than any other day of the year, which is just not true. But apparently it is a day of the year when people like to, you know, get it on, as you said. Bump uglies. Yeah, they like to bump uglies. And uh, it's one of those things that I think is adorable because football is family. I mean, you really, you're already doing it with your boys. You're already having them go and watch Jets games and things like that. So, you know, those, those it's boys a, it's are... A good yeah, it's a good slogan for the National Football League. And if they are, obviously, look, they're taking a, a statistical 
uh, a, a minor statistical uh, change and kind of you know turning into something bigger. Although it does explain a few things, among them why Detroit is becoming depopulated. <laughs> they have no reason to have sex. I don't know. Never gotten to the team's <laughs> losing by the second quarter. Everyone knows they're not going to win. Maybe they need something else to do. Perhaps. Well, <laughs> you might think that, you know, but you know, now all of a sudden, you all of a sudden, you know, now we, we, we understand why Los Angeles wanted that franchise really badly. <laughs> yes. And from going from giving it out to giving it up, we'll be right back talking about giving up things that are bad for you. I'm Mickey White. He's Jim Garrity. And you're listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. Mamma mia. That's a spicy meatball. Cut. What was the matter with that? The accent. Sometimes you eat more than you should. And when it's spicy besides, mama mia, do you need Alka-Seltzer? Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host Jim Garrity and... We were just getting into giving up things because we are at the beginning of the Lenten season. And one of the things I'm seeing many people deciding to give up this year is social media. Have you seen that, Jeff? Yeah. And um, as somebody who's on social media, I really support them giving up social media. <laughs> Any particular format? I, Twitter is going to be great for the next forty days or so. That uh, you know, it's 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 a win win for all of us. So you know, if only the trolls gave up things for Lent. Yeah, it's the people who you you uh, do the list. I mean, I, I guess the interesting look. The, the I've heard some people argue that the right philosophy for Lent is to give up something bad. I've heard some people say, look, that's really not. You giving up chocolate doesn't necessarily make the world a better place. You really probably should strive to be a better person for the next 40 days. And, you know, as, as uh, one of my traditional uh, efforts is to try to yell at people less. And so I will try to uh, do that. But I got to tell you, Mickey. How, how do you do with that every year? The world, world's not cooperating, all right? You know, New Hampshire's pushing my buttons this morning. <laughs> We'll see how South Carolina goes, you know. <laughs> I would be better off giving up Twitter. Or um, I, I assume you saw the news, Mickey. Twitter may make that decision for me. Yes. That's that, a little creepy. You want to tell our listeners about that? Sure. So we, you know, in past segments, you and I have discussed how, um, how ferocious, how nasty, uh, how obnoxious the, the fights on Twitter can get, how, how divisive and, and just, you know, profane and, and obscene and, and offensive. Well, Twitter, the folks who run the, the big social network, <laughs> have decided to help us all by forming a trust and safety council. More Let's than just stop there for a second. Yes. I, I want to stop you right mid-thought, and I apologize for that, but say that name again. Trust and Safety Council. Like, that comes straight out of something Orwell wrote. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, it's, it's a, you know, 40 organizations, including various groups that have tried to fight. You, you know, can't have uh, both. Yeah, like, right. You know, uh, folks that see themselves as fighting uh, discrimination uh, are going to try to create, quote, greater compassion and empathy on the Internet, unquote. To which I say, have you met the Internet? <laughs> Have you Dude, ever- did you see the people trolling the people that were building the committee? 
I was like, oh my God, they don't even, they don't have any idea. Like one of the things that I've realized in reading up on what Twitter is doing and making the changes that they are making is that they have absolutely no idea what the end user does with Twitter. At yeah, all. I mean, look, part of this is, uh, Mickey, we should note, this is an idea that's been around a long time. I think it goes back to um, 1984. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the first meeting of the Trust and Safety Council was going pretty well. Uh, it was working until a woman in orange shorts threw a sledgehammer at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and again, here we are, you know, I have dealt with, as have you, some of the worst possible people on the planet because of our exposure on the internet Um, and because of, you know, being out there and putting yourself out there, you know, on social media, you, whether you like it or not, you invite this, you know, yes, you're going to have some like-minded people, but you're also going to have people who literally live to get up every day. And fight with you or yeah. someone. And it could be because they're being paid to do it. Keep that in mind. So when I see the people that are saying, like, I'm giving up social media for Len, I'm giving up Twitter for Len, I'm like, but you're not the one I want to give it up. <laughs> yes. You know, if it, all it does is it gets the, uh, the pleasant, polite Catholics off Twitter, then, then, then right. maybe it's like kind of what we're doing is we're abandoning to no man's land, right? It's, it's Somalia after the government collapsed. It's, you kind know, of. you're on your own. Yeah. And, you know, I long referred to Twitter in the golden years, as we will call them now, um, as the wild, wild west of the Internet in the best possible way. Um, you got all the good and all the bad that came along with the ability to have that open communication. That's what first made Twitter so great. It's the one thing that's kept it going was the ability for it to be basically the world's chat room. However, with all the changes that they are making, they've made it nearly impossible to continue to use it the way that we always have, which again, it's one of those things where you look at the situation from a business perspective and you're like, no, you need to look at how your end user is using it and then work backwards. Not the way that you guys are doing it now. Um, yeah, the, the nice people that are leaving, the nice, quiet Catholics who have had enough, I, I'm with you. I feel you. I'm not Catholic, but I get it. And I'm like, okay, I, for you know, many reasons, I can't quit social media. And it's not just because of my addiction, but because it's part of what you know I do as a career and our jobs and moving the show forward and everything else that we do. But... At what point does it get so ugly that you're like, screw it, I'm out? Yeah, one of the things that they're, you know, the ideas that was tossed around by the, the Twitter high command <clears throat> was the idea of replacing, you know, you log on and you see, oh, you know, and the first thing you see is here's what people you follow are saying right now. And then they added this while you were gone thing. We, we've decided these are important. We have an algorithm to figure out which ones are, are you know, probably most likely to be of interest to you. So we're going to push these up before we let you see what everyone's saying right now. And a lot of people are like, nah, I don't need this. I, I, I can look it up. I, I can, I, if I want to know what someone else is saying, I can click on their Twitter feed and see what they yeah, said a little while ago. Yeah, don't tell me who I'm most interested in seeing. Yeah. Um, but so they, they pitched these ideas, and apparently someone at Twitter was like, then saw the negative reaction. And he said, oh, my goodness. I can't believe such vitriol. I can't believe how, how hateful some people are. And, Mickey, you know what I realized? People at Twitter apparently don't use Twitter. Right, right. That was like exactly what I thought. Never spend any time on Twitter. Like it's full of people telling you how horrible you are (laughs) all the time. It's nothing but comment sections. 
I was going to say, are they, are they used to using Facebook over Twitter? Is that what it is? So. They're not <laughs> yeah. even nice at Facebook. And that's the thing. Like, there's a reason I love Facebook, and one of it is because of their algorithms. I don't like being told what is, quote, you know, the most popular amongst my friends. I actually just want to see what's happening, like, in real time. And Twitter being in real time is fantastic for breaking news and for, you know, you'll see Twitter waves whenever something really big happens. And we delayed the show a little bit this morning because there was breaking news, obviously, and Jim had to go take care of that immediately. And that's a part of a lot of people's jobs and their livelihood is the social media and building social media. People make a great deal of money on social media. And yet, there is still a misunderstanding at, of all places, Twitter. The place that like gets the most probably free media of any social media site. It used to be Facebook, but now it's Twitter because on every television show, you know, it's follow me on Twitter. Underneath them, they'll have their Twitter handle. And, you know, the gossip that came off of Twitter now leads to the News that you hear both on your cable news networks as well as your entertainment news networks. Like, it's kind of amazing. And they totally want to ruin it. Well, let me put it this way. Is this a matter of, like, how does Twitter make its money? I I think that is exactly the problem. They can't figure out how to make money. And I think it's going to have to become a subscriber service. But I swear to God, I would pay the money if they'll just leave it alone. And Oh, if they could bring back the old retweet button... Then I would pay the money. I was going to say, of all the different things, if you ask people, what do you, um, what do you really want? And one, you know, some people say, oh, maybe we want more than 140 characters, but not too many. No. Um, <clears throat> you know, to have uh, graphics use up fewer characters, to have yes. retweeting or replying use fewer characters, so you don't lose the characters. Um, just to, to to communicate that to a particular person, all that makes sense. Edit. Uh, edit would be good. Yeah, you know, or wait, I didn't want to say that. Or oh, I, I have a typo. You know, little things like that makes a lot of sense. But all those recommendations that we can think of don't necessarily put money in the pocket of the people running Twitter. And maybe that's what it is: is that Twitter reached a point where it's gone as far as it can go as a free service. Now the powers that be at Twitter want to see it turn into money, and tweet ads are not uh, like promoted tweets are just not doing it for them. I guess. Well, promoted tweets don't work because of of all of the, I guess, social media platforms that I focus on and that I work with, Twitter is the most that requires you to actually be social with mm. your list or with your followers versus just like posting a link or go here and do that. You kind of have to build that community. Um, unless you're like exceptionally famous, like Kim Kardashian, who signs up for Twitter and like within like a moment and a half has, you know, 10 million followers, that kind of thing. But the majority of those, even those, they want to interact with that person. And the best companies and marketing strategies have people already in place who run their Twitter accounts. So they're not paying Twitter for the service. Yeah. And that's the big difference, like between them and Facebook. And that's why people prefer Twitter to Facebook, though. I think a big problem with the Internet is that people are so used to so many things being free that there's a huge amount of resistance to paying even a nickel a month for anything. People just don't want to pay. And Twitter looks like a bare bones outfit. The perception is that it isn't worth a subscription fee. Mm -hmm. Mm I was going to say a a trust and well, first, I guess. Maybe what the other reason they're forming this Trust and Safety Council, which sounds eerily like a Truth and Reconciliation <laughs> Commission, um, is this idea that uh, if we don't clean up Twitter, 
if we don't make it more polite, if we if people are always feeling like they're being um, discriminated against, insulted, racial epithets, you know, all that kind of stuff, then people won't want to be on Twitter. And if the if it becomes like a comment section of a blog where you know you have to be a nut job to hang around there and argue with people, people won't want you know, like like nobody buys advertising in the comment section of blogs, right? And Twitter will have spent all this effort to build something and to turn it into one of the most widely used social networks uh, and shaping the news and shaping the discussion and, and you know, people getting in trouble over tweets and stuff. Um, what, what was great about tw- Twitter was because you could post to it anywhere using your phone, mm-hmm. it showed you what people were thinking at any given moment. It was like alcohol. <laughs> it, did not, it did not change you. It only revealed you. Right. <laughs> and in some people, that was a very bad turn of events for them. But, uh, you know. Well, you know, and not to downplay the fact that there are real people who make real threats um, via Twitter and other social sites. But it basically comes down to policing our own. One of the suggestions I made, you know, during my conversations to Nowhere with Jack on Twitter was to suggest that they actually – take into consideration those accounts that are reported to support yeah, and do something with it. I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel like they've had, uh, you know, they, they've reported abusive behavior or threats or things like that, you know, imitating someone, uh, sock puppet accounts as they call it, you know, nothing happens. Uh, but the moment you offend somebody, you know, all of a sudden the Truth and Reconciliation Commission is knocking down your door. Don't worry. Big Brother's <laughs> watching you, right? So, yeah, get to room 101. Uh, that's going to be the end to the. That's going to be the end of Twitter flirting. But that's okay. We'll find other ways to show romance this Valentine's Day. Right after this. You from Paytel Records. Twenty-two explosive hits. Twenty-two original stars. Gallery. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. The great Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, the Candyman can. Liver snaps traits are made with real liver, and dogs love them. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White. And it is nearly Valentine's Day. Mickey, I want to share an observation with you. I've noticed as the <clears throat> special February 14th approaches, mm-hmm. my sons are both in school. Uh, one's a kindergarten, one's in third grade, and they, are, they have a rule at this school, um, Authenticity Woods uh, Elementary, that if you're going to give Valentine's, you have to get a box and you have to give the same Valentine's to everybody in the class. Wait, I'm sorry, the exact same Valentine? Uh, yeah, you can get a. They now sell like box sets. And oh yeah, okay. You know. Like yes, like the Superman Valentine. It's yeah, exactly. It's not fancy, you know, lace on the heart, fan, you know, all that kind of stuff. Not not Hallmark cards or anything like that. Right. Now I'm sure they did this in response to kids. You know, so you know, the pretty girl would get a million of them. The you know, not so pretty girl wouldn't get any, and some guys wouldn't get any. And all I, I get that. Having said that, Mickey, have we now reached the point where we get participation trophies for love? Well, I think that our introductory uh, sponsor may have been an indication that, yes, we do, in fact, get participation trophies for love. People seem to indicate that that is um, some type of an accomplishment. And here's the thing. Before we get to participation trophies for love, um, as hard as that was for me to say out loud, um, what happened to, like, didn't you used to just, like, hang, didn't you have, like, a little bag that hung on the thing? And, like, everybody brought them for everybody anyway. And whoever you liked more, you usually, like, attach, like, a lollipop to it or something. Yeah, or you got the, um... Because like, I remember, candy. like, I, I took in the box set of Valentine's. Like, that's what I took in. I didn't hand make Valentine's for anyone. It really didn't become a problem 
I think in girl world until middle school, high school years when they started like you could buy a flower and send it to a specific girl. Yeah. And then you got much more into like, okay, she's got 10, you know, carnations on her desk and you don't have any or he does, you know, he's got a dozen and he doesn't have any or he has one or, you know, it's really sad because he bought it for himself kind of thing or whatever. Yeah, I... I guess what this strikes me as, and again, maybe it's more, maybe I'm blurring the lines between elementary school, middle school, and high school, but ultimately, some people are going to be more popular than others. Some, you know, ultimately, some people are going to have more uh, people attracted to them than others, more people wanting to date them than others, more people wanting them to be some their Valentine than others. I don't know how long you can protect kids from this. And I guess I kind of feel like it's, you know, like this is a, a, Effort, this, this, like I said, it's participation trophy. It's kind of a sense of like I, I understand they don't want anybody to feel left out or to end up with no Valentines or anything like that. Right. On right. the other hand, basically saying that if you like anybody in your class, you have to act like you like everybody in your class. <laughs> Again, I thought that's just what you did at that age. Like, mm. I don't remember it being. And again, I, I could be wrong, but in elementary school, it was much more of like if there was some boy that I liked, like. On the outside of the envelope, I might put a heart. Ah, there you go. The little, the little indicators, right? Yeah, like, yeah, something like that. But it was never like – but then again, I wasn't really allowed to date until I was 16. So, yeah. yeah. The, the, the difference between saying this is a genuine expression of affection versus a – this is a teacher-mandatory <laughs> – mandated, obligatory, uh, phony gesture of appreciation right. to you. Simply because our names have put us in the same class and the school board decided to put us <laughs> – you know, like it, it does seem like we're kind of phonally going through them. Maybe this is why, look, ultimately Valentine's Day is not meant to be a kid's holiday. Um, and it seems kind of silly to kind of, you know, other than giving them like little, little candy hearts made out of basically chalk with, you Dude, know, it, it's all, it's, it's about the candy for the kids and about the fun of, you know, writing out those little cards for their friends. And I think that unfortunately there's way too many adults overthinking what these kids are doing, specifically those that are under, you know, 12 years old. We're talking about kids here who, for the most part, in Authenticity Woods Elementary School, like, let's face it, it's not like the hood. <laughs> so, you know, they know how hey, to act spiders, for the okay? most part. Some people have street gangs. We have spiders that are like 40 feet long. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, so that's you know, I get that maybe, maybe, okay, here's me giving, ha, write this down. Here's me giving some form of authority the benefit of the doubt. This could be a moment here for everyone. Um, maybe it's because of the fact that Valentine's Day is a very much made-up American Hallmark holiday that mm. teachers and school boards now feel the need to explain to those that may not have grown up with that tradition, mm. what the Americanized version of it is. Okay. So you don't have uh, like a you know a, a, like so you don't have a small child who's just recently moved here coming you know, in yeah. and handing you know someone a goat. For instance. <laughs> Authenticity Woods does have an element of the United Nations to it. Yes. So uh, uh, now here's the thing. Now Mickey, in past episodes of our show, you have mentioned that Mister Biased is not one for sentiment. Nope. 
not a hearts and flowers kind of guy. So have you guys even discussed anything for fourth for Fourth of July uh, for Fourteenth of February? <laughs> no. For, for Valentine's We've Day, we've actually or is discussed it kind of- much more for the Fourth of July this yeah. year than we have for Valentine's Day. It's easier for him to show love of country than for. Uh- <laughs> well, yes. Oh my God, yes. That that probably comes before me. I would assume we need to merge these list. holidays. Make it pink, white, and blue. Yes, and, and of make course, make a Valentine to your country. And well, say, and it's funny for us because, and this is you know a little personal story here, but for us, our dating anniversary is March first. As in, like the first date, whatever you want to call it, that we first start dating, and. This year, we're coming up on 20 years. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I was a mere child, as I like to tell people all the time. I was a baby. He picked me up and raised me, um, all of those things. But no, you know, we're coming up on 20 years, and we have never really done, as you know, well with Valentine's Day. Um, Again, Mr. Bias is not a hearts and flowers kind of guy. Um, He does, however, follow instruction well. So whenever I was working in an office, it was very clear, like, you know, months in advance, I would make it clear, like, I didn't care if we actually did anything for Valentine's Day as long as he sent me flowers at the office and they were specifically, you know, like, bigger and better than everyone else's. That's all I cared about. Now that I don't work in an office, I don't really care at all. Um, So it's fantastic for him. He's like, this is so great because I just don't care. And neither does he. And again, this is probably why we've been together 20 years because neither one of us are particularly sentimental and romantic as you know the normal fight starters are just not in play no they're really just not (laughs) um and it's because you know neither one of us are all like tied up in the whole like hearts and flowers side of it because he is and and jim you you've met him you you know who he is now and you see that he's a very practical person in thought and process so the idea of, you know, just going out and blowing money on flowers would have never occurred to him unless I made him do it beforehand. And, of course, he always did. Like, don't get me wrong. He delivered every year whatever flowers were necessary for whatever office I was working in. But now that he doesn't have to do that and I don't have to remind him, it just, you know, one less level of stress. And the thing about it is another thing for me, as you well know, can't have sugar. Oh, well, that that'll... That's a torpedo under the water, uh, under the water line for for Valentine's Day romance for like ninety percent of couples right there. So uh, I don't want to crib my own material too much, Mickey, but I, I I stand by my assessment of I believe our Valentine's Day show from last year. This is generally one of the worst holidays of the year, and the reason it is so bad is not an animosity towards romantic love or celebrations of it. It's a one. This is generally one of the worst nights of the year to go out to restaurants. Because they always have the special Valentine's Day menu, and it's generally awful. Uh, limited stuff, overpriced, places are crowded, you got to get reservations. Um, and if mm-hmm. you're going to go, I'm sorry? I'm just nodding. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if you're going to go out and have a, a special evening with your special someone, Mickey, like, isn't February just about the worst possible night, or worst possible month to pick for going out and have a special night on the town? Oh, absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's Spring cold. It's you know. It's dark still. Although it is starting to stay later a little bit. Um, every day, it's still dark. It's cold. Um, and you know, here here in Virginia, that could mean that it's seventy degrees, or that it's you know twenty five. Yeah, 
I recall, I think it was you know, last, oh, it was the infamous um, uh, dinner and, and movie in which uh, Mrs. Campaign Spot and I went to uh, watch Fifty Shades. Uh, and I would ask everyone to go look it up That's in the archives. Right. You know. <laughs> but it came around, it was, it, was, it was the big date movie for Valentine's Day. Yes, like, go find that one in the archives. That's a good one. During the dinner, before the movie, we had like a five-minute blizzard where all of a sudden out of nowhere, like this giant – well, thankfully we were inside and it died down by the time we had to go to the theater. But like it was, it was a miserable night to be out. And if it's not snowing, a lot of years it's going to be – it's it's just not a great time of year for heading out. And my suspicion is – I made this point in the past and I think it was Molly Hemingway kind of wrapped me on the knuckles for pointing out Valentine's Day comes from St. Valentine's Day. That's why it's in February. Jim, why don't you know your history? Which is fine, but my point is if you're going to have a, a day for celebrating romantic love, February is just an awful time of year to do it. <laughs> Too many layers to get Hallmark. off. <laughs> Take it up with Hallmark because I'm convinced we could move it and no one would know because they don't know the history and that would be fine. But every time I will tell you the truth, it's funny because you remember the people that you went to elementary school with and high school with that had birthdays on specific holidays. Mm-hmm. For me, there is a girl. Um, I don't want to say her name because I, I don't have permission, but there was a girl that was born on Valentine's Day. And every year when I wake up and see the date, I don't ever think Valentine's Day. I always think of this girl and her birthday. I have uh, a bunch of like you know, in addition to um, my own offspring's birthday every weekend in february they have at least one one birthday coming up and so obviously got to drive over to chuck e cheese or whatever it is but so count back so what was yeah i was gonna say so what was going on then nine months ten months from february mm-hmm. is that like spring yeah yeah you're probably right? talking so like it's, june it's, yes the mating season when the a young man's better, Lightly sundress weather. Two thoughts of sundress. They should probably have something about sundress babies in the next super. <laughs> That's what leads all the you know offspring popping up in February. So it's not really the Super Bowl. It's either first pitch or maybe maybe it's the NBA Finals and NHL Finals. <laughs> I still think maybe that these other sports help generate their own. Yeah. We just like the animals. When the sun comes out, we must go bare our skin, and then we must mate. <laughs> and apparently it delivers a lot of kids because like, you're absolutely right. Like I have a ton of friends who have kids in, that have the birthdays in January and February. So there you go. Stop taking credit for it, Commissioner Goodell. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. You'll be amazed at who you'll find on Living in the 90s. Right here, right now. Living in the 90s. Two and a half hours of the coolest songs on two CDs and two cassettes. Check it out. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey show. I am Mickey White along with my co-host Jim Garrity. And we uh, were having a discussion that we decided was worth taking into a segment with you all, our listeners. Are there people in the world who are just in need, we'll say, of a good ass kicking? Yep. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, hang on. Give me a moment, Mickey. I need to cross the Carolina Panthers off that list. <laughs> <laughs> now, Delivered. They got there. Done. They're done. All right. And I've brought this up before. I, I, there's a saying in Texas. Apparently, I'm a big fan of this particular saying, which is there are some people who just need killing. 
Um, and I think that that's amusing as hell for a number of reasons. <laughs> um, but are there people doomed that just need their ass kicked? Did they not have it done enough as a child, not by siblings, not by friends, not by enemies, not by someone? And this was posed to me over the weekend. And, you know, I don't hang out with a lot of betas. Like, I'm just putting that out there. I would hang out with a lot of alphas. So there were a lot of people in the room who felt that there were a lot of people in the world who needed their ass kicked. Have you experienced this phenomenon? Have I, okay, look, you're, when you refer to the Texas law of he needed killing, that was, a, 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 for at least for some time, a working legal defense in the Texas justice system. <laughs> Why'd you shoot him? Well, he needed killing. Jury says, okay, yep. <laughs> Not guilty. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, and I don't know whether I want to, you know, you drag stuff from the day job or just driving around the local area's inability to handle snow, the um, school district administrators panicking and canceling school at the site of dandruff. Uh, you know, you name it. I, I've got, I've got, <laughs> you think you have an ax to grind, Mickey. I'm Paul Bunyan over here. Okay. I, I have my own list here. So, uh, anybody on, in particular on your list or are we, will this become the podcast the lawyers have to review? Yeah. It, it, to avoid ha- making it the podcast that the lawyers have to review again. Um, we're going to just say this. There are people in the world who, for one reason or another, come into your life. Maybe they're through customer service. Maybe it's through internet. Maybe it's through work. But they are people that you would not necessarily choose to be with and or hang out with on any other given time. They behave badly all the time. There's a reason you have to be interacting with this person. And that is the one person that you're looking at and thinking, one, their parents should have spanked your ass as a child. That didn't start. Let's start there. Like, okay, that didn't happen. All right. So what happened to you in elementary school? How did you get away with it so long there? This is why I'm bad with the whole bullies thing, because there are many kinds of bullies. And sometimes the people who were bullied as a child become bullies as an adult. And then they need their ass kicked as an adult. Make sense? It does. Uh, look, I, I, you know, bad, bad parenting, bad socialization, not learning how to uh, play with others. I think you see that in abundance. I, I think, you know, look, the real question is, what do we do about it? And, and maybe one of the aspects that uh, we had discussed right before taping, um, we're familiar with the cinematic classics, The Purge <laughs> and uh, the sequel to it, which depicted a not too distant future in which America did away with its undesirables by uh, – uh, having a 24 – it was a 12-hour period or 24-hour hour, period. 12 hours. 12 hours. Murder is totally legal. All crimes are totally legal. And, uh, you know, most people lock behind their doors and are heavily armed and everybody else runs around and just kind of deal, deals with any grudges they have. <laughs> Air, an airing of the grievances. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> on a grand national scale <laughs> with firearms. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe not – okay, look. I get that, you know, it would be cool if you could get, like, a tag every 10 years to take somebody out. Like, okay, <laughs> this person needs to be, you know, whatever. So I'm going to get a tag and take them out. That's that's how I look at life sometimes. However, it also, you know, when we take it back to just an ass-kicking, I feel like you should be able to do that at least once a year. And unfortunately, now the assault laws are such that, you know, you can't just go and beat someone's ass when they really, really deserve it. Can you hire somebody to do it? 
Right? I mean, like, there should be some type of service that is available. <laughs> a government service. <laughs> Hell no. I want this privatized. I want it to work. I want yeah, to make sure that someone's ass actually people, gets beat. You know, yeah. <laughs> Why are you beating Mother Teresa? Oh, wait, it was misfiled. Hang on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. how, how did we go in one show from the sweet romance of Valentine's Day to this? <laughs> because it's me. Okay. And because it's Jim and you know, we're we're just not normal. Let's face it. So I was just say the, the American Spectator magazine back in its better days used to have it was PJ O'Rourke ran the opening column, bring back the enemies list. Uh, making a reference to Richard Nixon's enemies list and believe it, there should just be a national enemies list that certain people who are sufficiently annoying, uh, sufficiently, you know, Howard Cosell was an early nominee for that. So I'm trying to think who, <laughs> Mickey, which celebrity, would Kanye qualify? Um, or, or can we just say Amber Rose has already dealt with him? Well, very nice. As we discussed it in the end uh, last week, everything seemed to work out between them. And Kanye, you know, I, I give him a pass a lot of times just because obviously he does not care. And when you're making that kind of money, like, let it go. Would I punch Sean Penn in the face? Absolutely. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about that. That would be like very high on my list of people that I would punch in the face. So the problem is, like, you know, we're, we're, I think you know, Mickey, we're talking about metaphorical enemies list. Not yeah. Any. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, at, at some point, you come rather close to the no, really, enemy of the state helping drug lords and terrorists. So basically, so. what you're saying is that I am creating my own kind of Mickey's enemies list. A girl oh, can dream. Right. I, okay. Actually, you know what? Now you're, uh, here. I'm going to observe, and and I think like. Let me, let me, here's where the, um, the fuming veers from uh, Mickey's world to Jim's world. I don't know about you, Mickey. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, it's primary season. It's a very uh, intensely passionate political time. My employer has made a very bold stand that has irritated a lot of people. That's fine. What I am struck by over the course of my career the last couple of years are the number of times somebody will, you know, not just tell me I'm wrong. That happens all the time. Yeah. Somebody will denounce me. Somebody will really come after me. Somebody will, you know, try to believe, you know, tear me up and down, uh, denounce me six ways, six days a week and, and twice on Sundays. And then at some point later on, turn around and ask me for help. <laughs> yes. And much like Rorschach and the Watchmen, they will cry to me for aid and I will and I will whisper, no. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> And, and it's intriguing. And I look, part of this may be a reflection of the worlds of journalism, the worlds of politics, um, the arguments. I don't that, think so that because if, the conversation I was having initially um, was not with political people and it wasn't even about politics. Right. It was more or less about the attitudes of people that needed to be, quote, adjusted. Do you remember yeah, what we used to call them attitude adjustments? Yeah. Look, ultimately, how you treat people is going to have consequences. And. If you look, if, if you let things get personal, if you let things get very intense and, and you know, and really, you know, uh, leave somebody walking away saying, boy, what a jerk, that person's not going to want to help you <laughs> later on. And at least in, in my world, in my profession, people need each other's help all the time. Hey, I got a book to promote. Hey, can you link to my piece? Hey, can you talk? You know, I like think that's we're true trying to build- of everyone, though. I mean, if they're yeah. in your circle for whatever reason, they've come into your life, like, there's a reason that people get very agitated with those that can come across as needing to have a good ass kicking. And again, like I said, back in the day growing up, I think that there were enough fights that took place in high school and, you know, elementary school and middle school that perhaps some of those attitude adjustments were passed along. And 
now I feel like something has happened with that adult that it doesn't exist anymore. It's it's um it's a really odd thing, and I feel like way too many people have got away with a lot of things that they wouldn't say. And maybe part of it is the internet, and part of it is the fact that people feel connected in ways that they haven't before. Okay, here's my here's my really quick theory on what this is, and maybe okay. this is so good we should continue this into our closing segment. Okay, reality television, right? It's a competition show, and inevitably there's some person there who's the designated villain. The mm-hmm. Omarosa, right? Who's been, right. I'm not here to make friends, right? Whatever competition is going on, they're going to do that. They're going to betray somebody. And also going with that is a certain amount of diva-ish, right? Mm-hmm. I am special. I must be treated a certain way. Anybody who does not is disrespecting me, and I will blah, freak out over that. <laughs> right. That behavior is starting to crop up in real life. But right. life is not a reality show. Life is reality, right? <laughs> and people are walking around with this, you know, this chip on their shoulder, um, you know what? Maybe we should continue this right after the break because I think, you know, the, the angry Valentine's Day edition of Jim May Show is not done. Keep it right here. <laughs> any place, any time is a good time for Coke. Only Coca-Cola gives you that refreshing new feeling. Refreshing new feeling. Refreshing new feeling. Coca-Cola's bright and lively. Coca-Cola has more sense. Welcome back to the Jim and Mickey Show. I am Jim Garrity, joined by Mickey White, and just continuing our discussion about whether Mickey needs an enemies list, <laughs> or whether the purge was underrated, or whether we need to whether we need to bring back a national enemies list. Mickey, at the top of my list would be those who walk around thinking life is a reality show, and these tactics that seem to work to get you attention on a reality show, uh, and that may have you know, like people may enjoy playing the villain on something that is meant to air for an hour or half hour in prime time, this is a terrible way to go through life. You're not supposed to go around thinking you're a diva. You're not supposed to go around, you know, You're not a caricature. Yes, exactly. And, and I kind of feel like sometimes you deal with people, and they really are. Uh, it's like they're acting out their own real reality show, and you're a supporting character in it. And if you don't react the way they want, they're going to blow up on that. And it's just yes. a, you know. You know, I think you've really actually tapped into something here because – Let's face it, there are people who create their own reality and reality shows that they then put on the internet and, you know, they become famous. Um, there, are, there are tons of YouTube stars and, uh, quote, Instagram models, apparently, and things like that. So, you know, everyday people who, if they're popular on Facebook or if they're popular on Twitter or they're popular on Instagram, maybe they do feel like, you know, they are a little diva-ish in their own world. I don't know. What I do know is that I, I feel like there's a certain sense of, and I hate to be the one to say this because it comes down to, even back to our, what we were saying about Twitter, policing your own. Like, there's a certain amount of responsibility that comes down to us as individuals and people. And at what point do we look at another adult in the, in the face and say to them, you need to have your ass kicked is what you need. <laughs> Some people need killing. Right. <laughs> I 
I mean, because you know, I, 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 I feel like there, and, I, and I, I like what Dave suggested in the past segment about being able to hire a service. But again, it would have to be privatized. But I feel like there are people that if you could get like, okay, like 10 people together and say, no, we've agreed. This person does in fact need to get their ass kicked. You ought to be able to put in like to your local bureau, whatever, and be like, look, we're going to go ahead and beat this guy up. And then, uh, you know, this, we'd like to apply for an assault uh, tag. Honest oh. work for veterans, right? There you go. You know, I'd like, you know, I'd like to apply for an assault license. <laughs> um, I'd like, you know, here's the, here's the reasons why this person deserves to be assaulted. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. Because in the days, I mean, where we are right now, obviously you can't just go out and pop somebody in the head because then you have lawyers all over you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do something I almost never do. Mickey, you ready for this? Yeah. I'm going to semi-approvingly quote Ezra Klein. Oh, my. Um, oh, he's not even 30 years old yet, is he? I know, I know. You know so, so just pretend I didn't tell you the source of this. Okay. I'm going to pick two quotes. It's, it's writing about politics, but I think it makes an observation about this personality type we're describing. Right? Some people go by this reality show villain mentality of, I'm not here to make friends. Right? And the reason we like that is because it makes them unpredictable and fun to watch. But I'm not here to make friends is another way of saying I'm not bound by the social conventions of normal people. Right? The rest of us are here to make friends generally or at least be cordial to people. And that makes us boring. But it also makes us gentle and kind and pleasant and good neighbors and everything you want to be. <laughs> so in the way like – Yeah, I feel like he nailed it. A, a philosophy – what we have here is reality. You know, the, ultimately, we can summarize our, this, this show. Right? This is our title here, Mickey. You ready? Yes. Reality is not a reality show. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm so sure the, uh, I'm sure the reality uh, show called Life. That's conservative our, portion that's our of our audience will agree Ezra Klein needs to have his ass kicked. <laughs> <laughs> well, well lessen, up on, lessen up on him a little bit towards the end because of that, that astute observation. Yeah, that was great. That was good. And no, I think I was completely on point. I think that there is something to be said for the fact that you know, the, the gentle souls, the normal people, those that don't necessarily draw attention to themselves um, are sometimes overlooked for those that, you know, cause the drama, that bring it in. But are you participating in someone's reality show right now? Because that's how I feel sometimes. You know, I'm like, I feel like I'm a supporting character and I'm trying to get out of that role. Yeah, we're perfectly happy to be written out of that show. Right. Like, I don't want to be on the show anymore. Vote me off the freaking island. I am ready to go. And the thing about the problem about the reality not being a reality show is you never get voted off the island. You're stuck there with these people and you got to figure out how to deal with them. Island of Divas. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the Island of Divas. You know, the next time we're dealing with one of these people, Mickey, we'll just be waving our hand. Where's Jeff Probst? We're <laughs> around here for a physical challenge. I, I'm ready to lose. I'm ready to get voted off the island. Where's we get we call tribal council now? I'm, yes, I, I'd like to go home. Thank you. Need a shower. Thanks. I've, I've already identified the biggest loser. What is that? Myself, so I can get off. <laughs> You're like, I just went off. Let me off. I just don't want to be on the island anymore. Stop the world. And uh, shockingly enough, we've actually come up to the point where we don't have to be on the show anymore. <laughs> um, unfortunately, uh, we have blown through yet another hour. It goes by so quickly. Um, thank you guys for listening so much, Jim. Um, thanks for being here again this week with big Dave P behind the board. I am Mickey white. You have been listening to 
The Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us every week at soundcloud.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. You can also become a fan and keep up with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Jim and Mickey Show. And find us on Twitter at Jim and Mickey. Again, this is Mickey White along with Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to The Jim and Mickey Show. See you next week. Balls of Fury.